Stoughton, welcome to episode three of Made in Europe. Today I am joined by Otto Puck, uh, Sven Merkel and Dieter Weiss. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me. Um, what I'd like to do um, just to get started is to ask Otto and Sven to introduce themselves and their, their companies so we can get to know them a little bit and then we'll start to talk about some of the challenges and opportunities facing the European industry at the moment. Otto, perhaps you can go first from your office in outer space. <laughs> yes, thank you very much, Philip. Um, um, thank you for having, hang, having me here on the, on the show. Uh, INCAP, we are an EMS company and um, we are a Finnish company. We are listed on the, on the Finnish NASDAQ. Uh, yeah, it's slightly under 300 million the market cap. Uh, cu currently, we have factories in uh, Estonia, in the UK, in Slovakia, and uh, in India. In India, we have even two factories building our third one uh, current, currently there. And we have a sourcing office in, in Hong Kong currently. And uh, basically, we build electronics and, 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 yeah. uh, and do that in, in, in all, all our units and offer, of course, a lot of different services around the manufacturing as well as I guess most companies in the EMS business today day is doing. So, yeah. so that's very brief about Incap. Yeah, and Otto, with your mix from the in the various different countries, how what percentage of your business is in is in India, and what percentage is, is in Europe? Yeah, we we we, we don't uh, normally report that in our our reporting, but but. Uh, as I said, currently we are Incap has five factories, and, and uh, I would say that each factory is, is roughly the same size. But of course, okay. India, so India, India having having uh, uh, two of them, of course, makes them the share of India a little bit bigger. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And Sven, tell me a bit about yourself, and tell me a bit about Zero. Yeah. Thanks, Philip. Thanks, first of all, for for having me on your show. Um, I'm a great fan. <laughs> Uh, my name is Sven, Sven Merkel. I'm a bit older than 50s. I started here at zero uh, two and a half years ago. Um, I'm one of the, at that time, two managing directors with my colleague Bernd Welzel, who is an automotive expert. I'm more the finance guy. I'm also having more the, the position here. We're, we're both MDs, but I'm the CFO. Bernd is the CEO. Mm -hmm. um, my focus was always on the financial <laughs> reporting. Uh, we are private equity owned, so it was before a family business, now it's private equity owned. Uh, a lot of things change when you have a private equity as an owner um, in reporting and because of course of also the financing. Financing is done very often through banks um, and um, not all equity of the private equity. Uh, so there's a lot of reporting needed and um, all these, um, you know, the, the three shareholders, banks and um, and the relation to employees, you have to adapt everything. It's a new, it's a new ball game. So yeah. that's what uh, we've been doing the last two years. Um, um, the customer portfolio we had and have is, is solid. It's a um, bit too much automotive uh, at that time when we came, and we changed more and more to. Uh, we bought another company. Um, I don't know if we come later. I'm sure we come to it later. And mm -hmm. uh, to, to get our mix more right for the market and the expectation of everybody and the direction and the strategy we wanted to go to. So then we also got a new third uh, managing director, Jan Frederik Kalle, who's the third guy uh, in the team now of the new bigger yeah. Zero group. So we're three trying to manage this thing. And um, besides having a lot of work, having trying to have a lot of fun. 
Okay, and Sven, just to give me an idea of, of, of scale, I don't know what you report publicly. Do you report your revenue publicly? No, you can look it up one year later, but it's roughly jointly we're trying to aim at, um, if you put two together, we are above 150 million um, euros and um, we are more or less equal, the two companies now, uh, mm -hmm. and we're looking for something else um, um, still to broaden. Um, you get a bit wider and also maybe another continent. Um, yeah. So for the time being, it's 150 million, uh, more or less even the companies, 70 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And there's a critical mass that's needed, isn't there, to get to a certain uh, certain point of influence in the market. But I think what's interesting about being private equity owned is when you do have a, 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 a disruption like the pandemic come along and it does impact negatively on, for example, the automotive sector, at least there's the fuel there to go out and acquire something else and do and take some corrective action, which under normal circumstances might not be available. Yeah, you, you nailed it exactly. Um, there, DBRG, or the private equity company who owns us, they would just say, now this is the chance, go out and hunt. And mm. besides fighting the, the issue with Corona, we had a lot more homework to do. So they kept us busy. Um, they, yeah. um, but of course, they were also very much involved. They're experts in doing this. And uh, we, had, uh, we had good teams to work in. And we looked more or less at 10 uh, potential customers, and uh, not customers, but you know, stakeholders, companies yeah. to look, in, look at. And... Um, it was a really interesting time, but um, thanks, we had the help uh, of them uh, focusing on what we, we wanted, so we defined it. They helped us to focus on, and then um, uh, we, we, you know, the due diligence, the discussions, and then you go, oh, maybe it's not the right one. And in the end, it's all about people. I mean, we're in the electronic yeah. business and we do a little bit on, on, on PCBs, but it's about people. Yeah, absolutely. And getting those people to come together. And we'll talk a little bit in a, in a short while about the different geographies and, and why you selected the specific geographies. But I wanted to bring Dieter in here. I'm not going to ask Dieter to introduce himself because I don't think there are many people watching that don't know who Dieter Weiss is. Um, but Dieter, you wrote to me before the show and it actually prompted me to write an article in the, the, the lead in EMS Now yesterday regarding the various different disruptions that have been in the industry. And we often talk about the pandemic as a crisis and we talk about the component shortage as a crisis, but perhaps the real crisis facing the industry and actually facing everybody even outside of the industry is climate change. Uh, and that's definitely something you wanted to bring up today. What, what, what's your view on that and what should we be doing as an industry? Yeah, uh, good morning, everybody together. Um, I. Uh, think we have to change our strategy of uh, of working. Uh, I am in present uh, over here in France uh, at uh, a big show, and uh, I happen to see a lot of changes uh, in Lyon. In the, uh, and it's not only in Lyon; it's in all big French cities. They applied uh, 30 kilometers an hour on all roads. Uh, in addition, they uh, uh, made, uh, the, uh, changed the roads from two lines to one line. Uh, it's most of them are one-way roads now with broad uh, bicycle ways on both sides. Um, and you see many more 
people riding a bicycles and uh, going by car nowadays, which at this moment is not a problem because the weather is good over here. Yeah, uh, I wonder how it's going to look when it's, the weather turns bad, but at least it tells us something. It tells us that people are rethinking. And uh, uh, the same goes for the vaccination over here. Uh, either you have uh, the digital uh, vaccination passport on your phone, uh, or you will not be allowed in any restaurant or bar, not even sitting outside. So no vaccination, no food, no drink, period. Yeah. In yeah. Germany, uh, we are so stupid to, to discuss this endlessly, uh, talking about freedom. And uh, in the US, we are talking about uh, First and Second Amendment and all of this crap. Um, and I can tell you, uh, there is only one way we need to change. And that goes for the environment as well. Yeah? Uh, we need to rethink the environment and we will uh, have to rethink our sourcing strategies. Now, if we look at China, China is uh, not a low cost country anymore. And it hasn't been for the last couple of years. Um, it is a high technology uh, uh, country and it is a serious competitor. Yeah? Let's say it that way. But if you look at the energy that is being used to uh, uh, get goods which are needed, for example, in Western Europe, from China to Western Europe, uh, that is so much. Uh, and uh, my clear point is uh, those companies who are still sourcing uh, PCBA or uh, full uh, uh, electronic modules uh, have to rethink uh, and uh, buy more local. And I can assure you, uh, our labor costs in Eastern Europe are competitive to certain parts of, uh, of China, especially the southern parts. And if you add now transportation, uh, if you add, uh, uh, in short, carbon dioxide uh, uh, fees that will be applied, all of that will uh, add up to the total cost, and uh, yeah. then it makes no sense anymore uh, to uh, source in China, but to relocate. Uh, and uh, we have so many good um, manufacturing facilities in Eastern Europe. And we actually today have two uh, companies sitting here who both have a factory, for example, in uh, Slovakia. Uh, uh, Slovakia is the eighth biggest manufacturer for EMS products in Europe. Uh, they employ more than 6,000 uh, people and they generate more than 1.5 billion uh, euros in revenues. Mm -hmm. And I think this should go up. Now, yeah. even Foxconn has a factory in Slovakia, which they took over from Sony in 2009 and they are manufacturing for Sony uh, nowadays, uh, most of the TV sets which are needed in Europe. So Sony has understood that one should manufacture local. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that, you know, I, when I was writing that piece yesterday, the thing that came out for me was that shorter supply chains are just a natural route to a more sustainable model. And I think there are a lot of dynamics that are pushing towards um, local sourcing. Otto, when you talk to your customers uh, and they're looking at 
they're European customers, they're looking to buy in Europe. Are they driven by, by climate change and sustainability? Are they driven more by supply chain resilience and supply chain security? Or is there a realization that the cost of ownership is as economic in Europe as it is anywhere? I guess it's a combination of all, but 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 for sure, climate change and, and I would say in general to drive a, a more sustainable business is, is in focus, and not only by clients, but I think by all stakeholders. Incap also we have have, have focused lately very much on our ESG reporting, and we have joined the the UN. Um, uh, this global global compact initiative and and so with many companies in in, in our industry as well. So I think that that it's it's not only how to say performance and earning money. It, it's a focus is on how you do it and that you do it in in a sustainable way. For sure, when it comes to environment, but also when it comes to corruption and fighting fighting how uh, uh, to say. Uh, Inequality and, and and so in general on, yeah. on a global global scale, uh, so 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 for sure. But as you mentioned, that, that I think there's a lot of myths in 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 the EMS business, and, and people very much think that uh, Asia is always cheaper, but it's not cheaper. Uh, we, here in Europe, we can can provide a very attractive. Uh, base for for manufacturing for for many companies and especially if pro proximity and so is uh, important for uh, for those uh, customers so so uh, it's 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 uh, yeah no no there's a lot lot of lot of uh, uh, prejudice and, and so on on how the market <laughs> looks like but I, mm. I normally take as an example that from our uh, the factory on the small island of of, of Sarema in Estonia, we are exporting electronics to China, and and, and yeah. that that, show, that shows that the world is is not uh, as many people think think it is. Well, absolutely, and you're actually exporting products beyond beyond Earth, so you're exporting into um, products to space as well. So there's 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 a there's a market that's even further away. Sven, are your customers? Um, concerned about about the environmental element and is is the pressure from the consumer being driven down to you um well we have a lot of demonstrations friday for futures and so on but um, mm. nobody really thinks about us i think um, what will definitely happen is uh, the laws will change and there will be pressures on the oems um, uh, a on the uh, environmental uh, issues. The other thing is definitely no child labor and all these things. Mm. Um, there is a law coming out, um, I think, January next year, and they would just push it down to us. So we better get prepared. Um, one thing I've noticed um, we are all a bit older, you know, about yeah. 50 and so on. Um, I think it's the young people who join the companies who push this. It's just more in their genes than it is with us. We can we talk about it and we we hear it, but it's not for us. It was always yeah. you know price, price, yeah. price. I think that the more the younger generation push in, um, they will they will do the change in the company. So we have to initiate it as um, gray-haired guys. Yeah. And we have to definitely um, walk the talk. Uh, but I think the push will come from uh, hopefully from our youngsters. And I have I see this um, more and more when people talk to me. Yeah, but shouldn't we have solar panels on the roof? So yeah, you could think yeah, because you know, for me, money, money, I can save. 
okay, our roof is not strong enough. We cannot do this, for instance. Very bad, yeah? Can't we do things, um, change the, the absorption, you know, the heat from the, from the ovens, use that for, to, to gain energy. Oh, we've done this. Boom, great. So, so people see we do this, but in yeah. interviews, people actually ask me already, because they know we work for automotive, yeah? um, what are you doing? And are you um, CO2 neutral? I had to look it up first, yeah? yeah. I'm kidding, yeah. but basically um, yeah. that, pe that question like this come and it's only young people who ask this. So the pressure is there. Uh, it's yeah. not really the consumer, it's more the people who work, uh, you want to try to find uh, here to work for you. They have a choice. These days they have a choice and um, same salary, but maybe the image of the company not good. Oh, okay, boom, I go somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right, Sven. It does become a an HR issue and a recruitment issue as well. You have to be the company that 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 those people want to work for, and having having that stakeholder capital approach where you're thinking about the environment as well as the profitability of the business is important. But as you say, it takes a few gray hairs to be able to, you know, figure out that this strategy can actually do some, some good in terms of ESG and actually works for the business. And again, I come back to that idea that shorter supply chains just seem practical in terms of, um, in terms of being, being able to be more, carbon zero or closer to carbon mm -hmm. zero um, because you've got less less air miles in there but also seems to be very practical in terms of getting stuff done quickly getting stuff done efficiently being more resilient Dieter I wanted to ask you when you originally talked about this topic do you think the supply chain is adequately flexible? So, for example, if most um, European brands decide they want to produce their goods in, in Europe and supply them to European consumers, yes, that makes a lot of sense. But all the components that go into those devices, a lot of those aren't available in Europe. Do we have a problem there? Well, yes, we definitely do have a problem over there. Um, for too long, the European electronics industry didn't fight a trend. If we go back 30 years ago, and I'm switching to the US now, where Boston Consulting said, it's not a, a matter whether you move your production to China, it's just a matter how fast. Yeah. Yeah? Uh, that was uh, uh, the discussion of the 90s. Everybody just wanted to move uh, to, to China, source in China. Uh, I remember uh, uh, on the PCB side, uh, it was Siemens and Bosch uh, pushing heavily. Uh, and uh, uh, those days I had been working in the PCB industry uh, and uh, we were always beaten up by those big uh, OEM companies with new revisions of their specifications. <clears throat> being tighter and tighter and tighter every day. Yeah? And when we said, well, uh, you want all of this, it costs more. Yeah? They said, no way. Yeah? So uh, it was just uh, increasing uh, the, the, the technical demand without uh, being willing to pay for it. And then all of a sudden, uh, the board of directors made this decision. We don't care anymore. We just source. Um, uh, in, in China as of tomorrow, and they switched. And the first PCBs uh, coming back to Germany, uh, they had to uh, uh, hire a third party 
to do a hundred percent visual inspection because otherwise the products were not uh, 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 good for manufacturing. So uh, I know this has changed by now. The quality has yeah, tremendously improved, course. but we have done a big, big fault in the nineties. The PCB industry in Europe which those days consisted of more than 2,000 factories, just yeah. allowed it to happen. There was yeah. no one there fighting it strongly, having sufficient numbers. And I, I see this as one of my jobs, uh, give the EMS industry now those numbers, those market numbers uh, that are necessary to, to make the right decisions. And I can tell you, uh, if the Chinese gonna attack, I can only recommend, and we do have that, uh, uh, EMS companies uh, open up uh, a factory in, in China. Uh, if you look today as the top 20 European EMS companies, out of those top 20, 14 have a factory in China. And mm -hmm. the majority of what is manufactured over there stays in China. Yeah, but China if, a China. Customer, if a customer uh, heavily pushed um, for uh, uh, whatever reason, thinking he might get products cheaper uh, than uh, the big uh, uh, global European players can uh, offer this alternative as well. And Otto can, can offer it from India. Yeah? Hmm. So, yeah. uh, so if we, if we but, look at- In regards to the components, yes, we do have a, a, a major problem because yeah. uh, a lot of components used to be manufactured in the past in Europe, and now the majority of it uh, has to be sourced in uh, in uh, the Far East. And to be honest, uh, I don't know, but I think it might be too late to, to change all of that. Yeah, to reverse that. Certainly with the PCB industry, I think it is too late. And I think that ship sailed a long time ago. Um, and you're right, it probably sailed in the 90s. And it was a big trend. And those are one of those products that are easy to ship around the world. I think with EMS, things are a little bit different with, um, you know, semiconductors, we're in the middle of a semiconductor shortage, shortage issue and new factories are being built everywhere. But that will take that will take quite a lot of time. Um, I absolutely agree that Europe and particularly Eastern Europe is, is an economic place to manufacture. And I wanna switch gear and just explore some of those regions. Um, Otto, if we start with you, you have several geographies in Europe. Talk me through those and talk me through the relative merits of the, um, of the different locations that you manufacture in and why, why it's a conscious decision to manufacture in those locations. You know, in, in, in Europe, we have uh, three locations in, in INCAP. So we have a factory in uh, Estonia, we have one in, in uh, Slovakia, and, uh, and also a factory in, in UK. And uh, UK, of course, uh, being yeah, somewhere the fifth or sixth economy in the world, of course, that, that perhaps talks for itself where we have a yeah. presence in, in, in UK. Uh, but, but otherwise, if you look at Slovakia, for example, I have, I have a great proximity to the German market. And the German market, of course, being the biggest EMS market in, in Estonia, is a, is a very attractive market. The Slovakian unit uh, offers, uh, uh, they have the proximity, but offer, of course, some benefits when it comes to cost and, 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 and so compared to manufacturing in, in Germany. And, and the same logic applies actually to our, our Estonian uh, unit. 
when it comes to Northern Europe, when it comes to Finland and Sweden, and, and, and so that you have a proximity uh, to those markets, but, but you have a, a little bit different cost structure Mm -hmm. than, than, than they have. The cost structure, I just want to emphasize there as well. So it's, it's not, uh, uh, I would say, a, a radical difference when it comes to, comes to, to uh, labor and so. But, but if you look in general, those, in those countries, uh, there are much later investments and, and so made in, in general than, than perhaps on, on the home markets. Uh, so so, so uh, what we can offer is, is a much more modern setup and I think mm. that is, is uh, the, it's the efficiency foremost that drives the cost, uh, uh, cost level down. But uh, that's the logic between in, in, for in-cap placements, that we are the proximity to Northern Europe markets from Estonia and Central Europe markets from, from uh, Slovakia. And, and, and of course, being on, on the big UK market it, itself is, yeah. is, is perhaps helpful. Yeah, and Otto, when you chose to open the facilities in India or acquire the facilities. Um, you can give me a bit of background on, on, on how that came about. But was that a conscious decision to sit somewhere between Europe and uh, Asia, have maybe more access to some of the supply chain in Asia? Um, or was it mainly around low-cost labor? What was the decision-making in, um, in developing that footprint? No, for, for, foremost, I would say that if you want to have a presence and, and, and how to say and, and uh, offer services to the Indian market, then, then local presence is needed. So, so INCAP's current, yeah. and we're building the third factory as well in, in, in that will be a little bit of a mix, but, but current, we have two factories in India, one for the domestic market and one for export. And, and, and I, I think that that goes also very much for, for now from India, you can export into China fairly, fairly okay as well. But, but uh, uh, the, the key is that if you want to, to uh, uh, have a share of these big markets, you need to have a local local presence. So, so, so that is is uh, the logic behind uh, behind India. India, of mm -hmm. course, is is uh, the world's biggest democracy in that sense, and and and, and uh, perhaps uh, uh, in in that sense, an uh, attractive country to do business uh, business yeah. in, uh, compared to many other more totalitarian uh, yeah. Asian states, and 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 and, and so. So, so, so uh, there is a lot of benefits when it comes to, to India in general. Yeah, now India is really interesting and I think it's always been one of those regions for uh, EMS that, that's always felt like it's had a big future and hasn't quite got there yet. And you refer to it as the world's largest democracy and that's a very much a positive, but it's also the world's largest bureaucracy. Um, and I know that's been challenging uh, in the past, but I did a show yesterday with um, with Eric Miskell um, talking to uh, Indian contract manufacturers, which I think was published today on EMS Now, um, and it was fascinating. They're really moving forward, and there are some good but, uh, government I, I, grants I, I, and great support. Yeah, no, I, I think the key there, and if you look in INCAP, we, we operate uh, all our units in a decentralized model with, with strong local teams and, mm. and drive the whole business from, from each unit directly. And, and then that goes for our Indian team as well. We're, we're a strong local team in India. And, and I think that that is the key to drive international businesses to, to uh, not, not try to, to steer it from, from one point in the world, yeah. but to have, have strong teams and, and people that understand the, 
the nuances when it comes to culture and, and, and nuances when it comes to doing business in, 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 the, in the region or in that, that country. And, and we have been very successful in that, with that in INCAP. And I would say not only, only in India, but in all our units. Yeah, and it gives you a, it gives you an understanding of the local market as well, and and you know how to sell into it, how to service that market. Sven, talk me through your footprint and the logic to the um, to the different geographies there. Yeah, we've been looking um, at two areas: uh, Eastern Europe and um, Mexico, U.S. market, because one of our customers um, we're producing for a lot for the um, Americas market. Uh, it's a big part of our revenue. Um, but also, of course, we have um, uh, customers um, in, in, in Eastern Europe as well. And um, so we were looking actually at Poland, Slovakia, um, Czech Republic, um, and going there. We didn't go further, really, Romania and so on, because basically mm -hmm. more or less uh, also language issues, uh, which we could see uh, very difficult for us here already. We are not all uh, in Germany. English is not so, so, so. Um, maybe strong as it is like for instance in Holland or so mm -hmm. everybody speaks English and, and Dutch and whatever um, so the, we had to take care of a bit of this uh, but the main factor was really um, manufacturing costs, uh, labor costs and Slovakia uh, is extremely interesting concerning labor costs, they are extremely good what concerns automotive the, no the know-how, the knowledge, the people uh, of course there's also fear because there are so many people that the, the prices, um, the inflation of, of, of you know, um, labor costs goes up they, they, that is definitely always a risk in these countries, the more mm. they are advanced also the more people also want to have a share of the revenue basically um, but uh, they have one thing they can get outside workers from Ukraine and Vietnam so they have certain things um, in these countries advantages to get outside labor in really quickly and um, so they still we could still see there's a source of of labor force at, at a high standard available plus language uh, and then the company itself we looked at um, um, is complementary to what we do so here in Rohrbach in Germany uh, we do THD but also SMT eight SMT lines we do highly automated of course because of a bit higher labor costs here we try to be mm -hmm. very good with processes and, and streamlining the companies uh, and really every year we have pressure for, of course from our uh, customers um, to improve and, and reduce the cost and on the other hand we have in Slovakia the opportunity to do more THT work which is more and more used in the especially in the industry sector which we're trying to focus more on um, so it's a it's really a thing which falls together uh, complementary and and honestly we're learning from each other it's not like oh we know everything not at all not yeah. at all. Um, it's really, it goes two ways and it has to go two ways. We have to take the better of both to, to exceed and, and yeah, to, to, to even become stronger. Yeah. Now, and you mentioned there the, uh, the, the importance of, of automation, particularly in the higher cost environments. And Otto mentioned that actually the key in any region is, is, the, is the operating efficiency of those factories. I'd ask all three of you, and I'll start with Dieter, how important is it for Europe as a whole, and I mean Eastern Europe as much as Western Europe, that they really embrace automation, digital transformation to take the, bus the businesses to the next level, to that next level of efficiency, that next level of um, cost efficiency and traceability and the highest possible quality, regardless of 
which part of Europe stuff's coming from. Do you think that's a key to success, Dieter? Yes, um, I think uh, it is very important and specific for the Western European uh, companies uh, to work on uh, this higher degree of automation. Uh, I remember last year I visited uh, a factory of a large uh, EMS company with a factory in Germany and one in Poland. And uh, they are working in the consumer electronics industry. And uh, I was wondering how they uh, could do this in a factory in Germany. And then I uh, had a look uh, on the factory floor and there was a huge automation. You didn't see uh, any people at all. Uh, and if such a, a manufacturing line is, is running uh, super efficient with a few people, uh, for sure it can compete uh, with uh, uh, their factory in, in Poland, where they manufactured in actual fact uh, uh, the uh, product with lower technology and maybe uh, smaller lot sizes. So, yeah. uh, uh, yes, uh, automation and uh, digitization uh, will uh, be the key factors on the factory floor. Uh, and uh, there is another simple reason to that, which was mentioned before. Uh, getting labor is yeah. getting a problem. Getting good and qualified people is getting a problem. And uh, I'm actually over here at the French uh, uh, exhibition uh, at the stand of IPC, and uh, we are today have the soldering competition. And mm -hmm. yesterday we have been training uh, young people from the university uh, in regards to hand soldering. And all of these things are important. That, uh, and uh, I highly appreciate that an association like IPC is, is taking the lead on. Uh, uh, doing educational uh, activities uh, uh, in regards to making sure that we get qualified people for the future. So uh, all of that is very important. Yeah, yeah, I think that mix of skills and automation is is fundamental. Otto, what's the digital transformation strategy of, of INCAP? I, I used to say that that in, when we discuss it internally, that if we're going to do world-class electronics, then we need world-class processes and technology to do it. And, and, and I think uh, if you don't uh, invest in your, your manufacturing infrastructure in the, and in the processes in general, then, then you're only fooling yourself in that sense in the, in the, in the long run. So, so I think that, uh, that, that, of course, digitalization and automation is something that, that all manufacturers are, uh, have high up on their, their uh, agenda. That said, the electronic industry in general, the, the, the big, how to say, revolutions, uh, they, they were done, I would, would guess, some 10, 15 years uh, ago. And, and, and compared to many other industry segments where they're just getting started today, then I, I think most of us already run our business in, in, in on a dig, digital platform. And, and mm -hmm. then we have automated and, and semi-automated production lines. And, and, and so, so where, where it's, it's uh, possible to do so. Of course, you can't automize everything. It's, uh, some, sometimes it's not cost efficient and we need to 
understand that also, and, and that also drives a labor need. And I think that, that it's, it's good that Dieter brought, brought up because uh, it's, it's also so that pe people believe that if we automize everything, that, that uh, then, then we only need a few engineers and, and so, but it's not true. We, we still need skilled labor and, and, and labor on every category. The, the automatic lines are so smart today that, that you can, can basically put whoever to run it, and, and, but, but you need that person to find that person. I think that will be a challenge in Europe with, where, where we don't have uh, very, very much growing populations in, 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 in the most of the regions and, yeah. and, and how, to, how to move forward with, with that. Yeah, I think that whole labor challenge and how automation fits in with that is key. Sven, when you when you look at, for example, an acquisition, is that is it important that you both have the same vision and the same strategy with respect to digital transformation? And is your part of your integration making sure the software and the hardware is similar across the facilities? Um, it's a dream to have this, uh, but not at the beginning. So we have different softwares um, mm -hmm. and uh, we are not this huge, huge, huge group where you just throw three million at it and, and create a group and say, come on, you have three years uh, No. So for the time being, it's I would call it a part integration. We're trying to achieve, um, we're trying to work together. We're trying to definitely have the front end when the customer approaches us. Um, and that is actually key coming back to what also Dieter says. Um, to, to be faster or better than China, you have to be quick when you get a demand, you have to really be quick to the customer, you have to be able to transform what he wants uh, into an offer, um, do samples, and there you have to be China. China can do this in one to two weeks already, and if we, if we do this in four to six weeks, um, yeah. you, you might be six weeks on the boat, it ends up the same. But it's just still cheaper. So you have to cut out a lot on the front end to be faster with the customer, more flexible. And that's why we try to work together. Um, so the customer we can immediately show him, listen, maybe it's not the right place for Horbach because it's too much with manual work. We have a, um, a factory here in Slovakia. Um, this and this will be the price they do it, but it comes from the group. So front end, yeah. that's what we first work on first. Uh, digitalization we try to have projects uh, which we identify when we need new software for the you know for the efficiency on the machines and so on of course we work together and we try to get um, an rfq for both companies um, in place to to get also a better price of course we're trying to play our power on the market as well even yeah. though it's a small power but it's bigger than than what we were as a standalone before uh, so we're trying uh, we're trying to do what we can but it's not a full integration. Um, it is step-by-step step, growing together, getting to know each other, work together on project. I have the first project that was great. We moved the project from here to Slovakia and we had people come over from Slovakia. And so we could see how they work and our mm -hmm. people here could see how they work. And they've seen they're not here to steal your job. They're here and, and it was really good somehow. That was yeah. my first integration that was, that was so key. Now we're moving this project, people from us uh, go there and see how they work, they get new ideas, they bring it back. So this is the, the exchange, it's so vital and you can do it too quick and make people upset. Then even the yeah. few you have, they still run away because it is a tight market. So this, yeah, yeah we're, we're dealing with people. Yeah. So we have yeah. to, it's very it's sensitive. Yeah, and slowly, slowly. And you talk about labor shortages, are there particular countries where you see 
you know, huge amounts or large amounts of skilled labor that are great opportunities? Are there new new regions in Europe that we that we haven't explored yet or we're not growing as aggressively in as we could? Dieter, are there countries where you look at and say, hey, that 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 region is fantastic for EMS. There should be more EMS companies there. Well, um, that is specifically in regards to labor, uh, a question of, of the unemployment rates. Yeah? If you, for example, uh, look at uh, the unemployment rates in Czechia and in Hungary, you will see that they have nearly no unemployment anymore. Mm -hmm. And still, once in a while, I read that some OEM uh, is setting up in Hungary, and I always ask myself, what are they doing there? Yeah. Uh, I re remember uh, a big automotive supplier uh, going, uh, I think it was to Lithuania uh, a couple of years ago, uh, uh, a supplier for uh, lighting products, which has just been sold to a French uh, company. And uh, uh, they came into this market and they ruined the labor uh, prices. Because uh, in order to get uh, labor, uh, they uh, offered 30% more. Well, doing that is, is totally stupid, but uh, probably they hadn't thought of, of, of this uh, uh, viewpoint in the past. The same goes for Czechia. Uh, I know uh, uh, a company which finally shut down their doors in Czechia because uh, uh, in 2018, Skoda was having a big strike. People wanted more uh, money, they said, uh, Volkswagen was doing so good, they wanted to have their share of the profits, and they ended up with a two-digit uh, uh, labor increase. Uh, and uh, as this EMS factory was sitting very close to Skoda, the employees said to the entrepreneur, well, you either pay us the same or we're going to uh, go to Skoda. Uh, so uh, it happened once. When it happened again in 2019, uh, the entrepreneur had no other chance but to say, OK, I'm closing down over here. And he now set up a factory in Serbia. Mm -hmm. Now, we still have this problem that Serbia is no part of the European Union. Yeah. Um, still, uh, we see that more and more companies are setting up factories over there, uh, even global one. Um, you know, IMI has a factory in Bulgaria yeah. where they're doing heavy uh, automotive uh, stuff. And they now set up a subsidiary supplying the Bulgarian factory in, in Serbia. Uh, and that is due to the fact that there is, as far as I, uh, I know at the moment, uh, I think uh, more than 15% uh, unemployment rate. Uh, even Romania has a high unemployment rate and there is a new kid on the block which is heavily pushing uh, uh, in Europe over here and that is uh, Moldavia. Uh, Moldavia, even so being a small uh, country, uh, they still have a, a, a unemployment rate which is uh, uh, too high and they would love to uh, have more companies come to Moldavia and invest there and set up uh, an electronic factory uh, over there. So, uh, yes, there are. There are even, if I look at Estonia, yeah, uh, Estonia being a, a small country, yeah, uh, I can assure you there's still space over there. Yeah. 
Yeah, and they're really smart people. And like I say, they've got they've got the technology infrastructure. Otto, we hear about places like Moldavia and we hear about places like Georgia. Any little gems that you've that you're keeping your eye on? In Kappa, of course, we are we are also uh, on on the look for for uh, possible M and A uh, targets, and, and and even if we're growing very strongly uh, organically currently and have been the past past years, but but uh, no, I, I don't have any any gems in that sense that we are looking more particularly on uh, in in Kappa's M and A. If you look at our rationale, it's very simple that that we want, of course. Uh, uh, the company to be healthy. We don't want any turnaround cases uh, mm -hmm. on, on our hand. And, and so we want to acquire a healthy business. It should give some kind of uh, perhaps geographic uh, and uh, enlarge on our geographic footprint. So, yeah. so in that case, it's all, all markets are interesting, but it, it's more on the customer side where, where, where we are looking, looking on, on, on that. Uh, and and um, the third is that it should fit our culture. And, and as I mentioned before, we're running our operations very independently and, and decentralized. And that means that we need to have people in the organization that, that can, can run the companies on site. And, and, and so, so that's the three things we are look, look, looking at. But, but I, think, I think in Europe, there is, is as Dieter mentioned, I think both, both Slovakia and, and Estonia is, is, is great markets for, for EMS. Uh, they have a strong industrial tradition, and and, uh, and I think I think that that helps uh, with with the thinking. So it's not uh, not uh, I'd say shameful to work in the industry, and in, in the contrary, it, it's it's a pride in in, in many of these these uh, countries compared to perhaps in uh, some Western European European cases where where, where there is not. Uh, so so I think in, there is there's plenty plenty of, of interesting places in Europe Europe still. Yeah, plenty of plenty of development going on there. Would you agree, Sven? Lots of lots of growth potential, particularly in the east. Yeah, it, um, I would agree. Especially labor, one thing, and and still potential for for getting THT. And 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 like Otto said, you do need everybody. So even yeah. though we maybe grow at the moment more, what do we call maybe white color or or engineering part, we need um, maybe it's, it's it's harder to get also people, but the machines uh, are operated by humans, uh, like yeah. still, uh, and you need those guys, dedicated guys, yeah, and um, um, definitely, um, yeah, finding them here is difficult, finding them maybe more in the east is still uh, more possible, I agree. Uh, we yet still have to look at the other side of the ocean, um, coming back to also what we mentioned before, with the footprint and so the on America's... and short delivery time so we're yeah. looking for something maybe more over the Atlantic there maybe yeah. closer to the customer but um, that's one other reason yeah no we should um, we should talk about Mexico I lived in Guadalajara for a while so I'll um, I'll fill you in on what's going there on there 100,000 people in one city working in the EMS industry so that's right. a, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a that's a big center for manufacturing I'm conscious of the time and I don't want to take up too much of your too much more of your time I just wanted to briefly touch on the the kind of two major disruptions that we're going through at the moment, the back end of the pandemic, and of course, the, the difficulty of semiconductor shortages. Otto, how are those two things impacting your business? And do you see the kind of pandemic thing coming to an end and the component shortages having a way out in the, in the next 12 months? 
of course, let's let's uh, the future will tell in in, in that sense. But uh, no, I think I think of course uh, the pandemic and, and the shortages have impacted the incap uh, as as well, and 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 we are monitoring this very closely. Pandemic, especially that that even if if we manage to to uh, steer ourselves through the different lockdowns and so that 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 we were subjected to uh, very successfully, then then of course. Uh, still, still, we are looking that that uh, what is happening in the different countries we're operating, and and if there is is uh, possibilities of of, of further restrictions, and and, and so uh, that said, I think I think we we have managed very well, and and, and, and uh, I'm not not uh, that worried about it in in that sense. Material shortage, of course, is tricky. Incap being an EMS company. Then, then we have a lot of different customers and a lot of different projects. So, so of course, some of these has been been uh, heavily impacted by the material shortages. Mm. But the overall pictures have have looked very positive for Incap as as quite well well balanced. I'm optimistic. Uh, I know there is a lot of activities on the market currently to to increase the the, the supply and and, and uh, talking to our supply chains. And so I think think we. we starting to see some kind of light in the end of the tunnel here here uh, early next year and, and 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 during the first quarter so 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 when even i would say that the picture have improved some already now in the, towards the end end of the year so it's it's not uh, we're absolutely not uh, i would say uh, I haven't sold it, it, it yet, but but it, it's getting brighter and i think think yeah. in, in in general that that's uh, our perception yeah, and Sven, do you share do you share that optimism? At the end of the day, you you mentioned earlier it's about people, it's about people and open communications that gets you through the crisis like the pandemic, and it's the same with with the component shortage, isn't it? It's constant communication. It's constant, and it's amazing how how much our salespeople, our uh, supply chain people are involved, even on our level, management director level. So much we jacked in and pulled in into calls and and issues being shouted at and so on it's uh, some bits partially it's ridiculous already what is happening uh, what i see um, on this crisis of course bad looking at numbers inventory goes up it's on a higher higher level than 2018 where we had a similar thing and now we're talking over 20 percent partially of inventory on your balance sheet not good for your working capital you have to finance mm -hmm. all this and um, just one little component missing. You have your you have your warehouse full of yeah. stuff that you cannot produce because there's one thing, one single thing missing. Um, this is absolutely crazy. Um, and um, I wish um, I talked to detail last week. Uh, and and yeah, yeah, give it, pass it on to your customer. It's not so easy. All yeah. these additional costs. Partially, yes, you can negotiate. Partially, you, they see you're sitting in the same ship boat somehow the market just developed the wrong way and we know it will go one day better and hopefully it's exactly in 12 months but there's a big issue not everybody is that smart and forward-looking um and and you know you you, you suddenly higher labor costs uh, higher inventory um luckily hopefully your, your receivables go up somehow i mean in the sense that you make yeah. revenue it's not good for your working capital but the guys want to get paid, you know, you have, yeah. big, you have big distributors, they just say, hey, you pay or you go in advance. I mean, ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. It's yeah. really biting, it's biting the, the guys everywhere. But we get out of it and we are smarter in one year's time and we laugh about it, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to the day we can laugh about it. Dieter, I'm going to let you have the final word 
Are you an optimist? Are you optimistic that we'll get through this bump and the European industry will come out of it better? Um, I'm not sure whether it'll come out better. Um, I think uh, companies making the right decisions will come out better. Uh, there will be some companies which will not survive, uh, in specific those who are not strict enough uh, to forward their uh, increased cost structure over to the uh, to to prices to their customers. Uh, we have people talking about just adding uh, the additional uh, uh, cost for sourcing the semiconductors to their customers. And in my opinion, that is absolutely stupid. Uh, let's face it, we are sitting in the same boat, all of us. Yeah, And no matter whether we are EMS or whether we are OEM, we all pay the higher prices. So uh, uh, any buyer trying to argue with an EMS uh, that he will not accept uh, higher prices or even being so stupid to threaten, well, if uh, uh, I don't get my old price, I'm going to go away to, to another EMS. Okay, let him do that. He, he will not get anything. Yeah. So uh, uh, we need to realize that. And people who are not uh, making sure that they maintain their profit margin, yeah, uh, they have no chance of surviving, yeah? And uh, those will be the losers, and there will be losers uh, in our industry, the latest by end of next year, yeah? yeah. So uh, I can only uh, ask you, uh, think positive about it, think uh, twice, uh, uh, make sure you, you get your prices, which you need, and the message to all OEMs, uh, there is brilliant uh, sourcing possibilities over here in Europe. Uh, takes a chance. If you need help finding the right supplier, give me a call. I will help you to uh, make sure you will get the uh, EMS supplier over here in Europe that fits exactly your demand. Yeah. Well, Dito, I really appreciate that, and I, I, you know, I think there's uh, there's realism and optimism mixed in there i i personally am a very optimistic person and i think the uh i think the european market's got so much to to offer you're right at the moment relationships with oems are under pressure and i think companies like ottos like spends that have a very honest and open and collaborative partnership with their customers will do well um and those that don't will uh, will be completely challenged by it by this particular issue um, but yeah, no, I think um, I think manufacturing in Europe is absolutely going in the right direction and more and more brands want to have their products manufactured in Europe for the European market and, and understand that. So uh, and if that benefits the planet as well as as well as the EMS is there, I think that's a great thing. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure to chat to you today. Thanks for taking time out of your morning. You've got the rest of the day free now to to go and source all those tricky components and and get back to get back to the grind um, but thanks very much stay safe and we'll chat again soon